Our First Baptist Family's mission statement is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with Him. And to fit very closely with that is our theme for this season, Go and Tell. We hope everything that we provide, all the resources, encourage you, equip you to do just that. Go and Tell. What is prayer? Stale tradition? Ritual? A good luck charm? Part of some religious checklist done to appease a higher being so we can get what we want or at least avoid the lightning bolt. Prayer has been redefined and twisted and confused, but at its essence, prayer is simply talking to God, the God who spoke the universe into creation, who gives us life and breath who holds all things together. This God wants us to talk to him. In the vastness of all that exists, he actually cares about us, personally, individually. How can we not pray to such a loving God? is Rick Henderson. I am the associate pastor for student ministries here at FBCSA. That means that I get to walk down a very interesting path with students. One that I once heard Scott Lane, the, uh, the was the youth minister here, now he's the executive pastor. I once heard Scott Lane refer to this as the valley of the shadow of adolescence. <laughs> and so there is some shadows and dark times that come with the students that I get to work with. A lot of you probably remember those awkward middle school days, but there's also immense growth and maturation during these years. One of the reasons why I like working with these, these age of students is because they are very impressionable. The world is telling them a lot of things and we get to be alongside them to help them with the spiritual components of that growth and maturation. As they're growing physically, we help them grow spiritually. And one of the weeks that we do just that is impact camp, which we just got back from, like Danny was talking about. And it was an absolute amazing week for our students. And I'm excited to tell some of those stories today. And some will come out in days to come. But before we get into that, if you would stand with me, we're going to read our scripture together. In Acts 2.42 says, All believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. There we go. Thank you. You may be seated. Doesn't that sound like impact camp? For those who have been to impact camp before, does reading this scripture give you a mental image from camp? Maybe it's even for those of you who were who have not been to impact camp, but have been to a camp before. Maybe it was 
Glorietta or Alto Frio or a beach camp where you felt the spirit of the Lord profound in your life. Something interesting happens when we get hundreds of teenagers into the same room at the same time, worshiping King Jesus. The power, the emotion, the energy. Y'all are getting to feel some of that energy still today, which has been fun. The presence of the Holy Spirit is visibly evident and active. Camp is a picture of the New Testament church which I would also say is a little taste of heaven here on earth. I'm gonna walk through this Acts 2 passage again for just a few minutes as we unpack to kind of show you some things and tell some stories from camp that went on that kind of correlate in with this passage of scripture. So back into verse 42 of Acts 2, it says, and they joined with the other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, our students were devoted and immersed in the word of God this week. Each night they sat under the gospel teaching of our camp pastor by the name of Kylan Perry, who was an amazing speaker this week and really brought the word to us. He's a, a pastor on staff at First Houston. But then a cool part, one of the, my favorite parts of this is that our church loves our teenagers. We had Pastor Danny and Pastor Chris with us at camp. So in the morning, our students got to hear a word from Pastor Danny. And in the evening, they got to hear a word from Pastor Chris. And then in the afternoon, they got to hear from other students and adults who are leading small group family groups throughout camp. So our students were surrounded and immersed in the word of God and devoted themselves to teaching. They took notes, they paid attention, and they were devoted to that teaching. We saw things, amazing things come from that. Okay, and the next one here is they devoted themselves to the sharing of meals. <laughs> okay, we are really good at sharing meals together. There is um, a fourth meal that actually does happen at camp called the late night snack. Um, sometimes it's a little more than a snack. Um, but we have meals together. We sit around tables. We're able to break bread together. And we just have an awesome time fellowshipping. Once again, one of my joys of camp is having pastors there and leaders there who sit at tables with our students and get to hear from them and talk to them. And even those meals around those tables are a part of the worship experience from camp. And then they also, we also have in verse 42 that we are devoted to prayer. In the text, we could talk about how it's referring to specific prayers that they prayed. But just for us in general, we prayed. The last two nights of camp, we spent intentional time devoted to prayer. The first of those two nights we, was just for our church group family. And we got around and we prayed for one another. We prayed for our friends in the room. We prayed for families who were going through difficult times. And we prayed for you, church family. It was a really special moment as we devoted ourselves to prayer. And one of my favorite moments from camp every year comes from a service that we call Vespers. Vespers comes out of the Catholic tradition of a late night in of a late evening introspective prayer service. And we've tried to replicate something similar to that with a mo more modern style of worship where we scale everything back to where it's just acoustic guitars and voices. And we fill an entire room just sitting on the floor surrounding a cross as we pray and worship. 
it was amazing to watch as this event becomes a catalyst for prayer. As you just see students begin to praying over one another. They pray for each other and then students would come to me and ask for prayer for specific things going on in their life. And this service just broke out in spontaneous prayer across the camp. And it was an absolute beautiful sight. Praying changed them. And as we learned this week, one of the things we got from camp was praying changes us. In verse 43, it says, a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed miraculous signs and wonders. Talk about awe. The most beautiful sound that this youth pastor hears, that the most beautiful sound in the world to me is the moment at camp when the worship leader pulls back and all you hear is the sound of 500 teenagers worshiping Jesus. If you've never heard that sound, it is what I believe heaven is going to sound like. You just hear the voices of these teenagers just crying out and you hear the passion, the glory, the, the awe of the Lord present in that moment as they are reacting to the spirit nudging in their hearts. That is one of the most awe-inspiring events to be a part of. There's also miracles that happened there, none as short as, uh, no miracles as short as the one where students placed their life in Jesus's, they placed their life with Jesus for forever. They become Christians for the very first time. We had several from our church who committed to that, several more who were ready to follow in believers' baptism, and we had several even who were ready to devote themselves to the gospel ministry, be vocational ministers. Those were all a part of the miracles that we got to see at camp. And we're excited to tell those stories in the coming days. Then in verse 44, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Other translations say, and they had all things in common. The low-hanging fruit here that you might think for commonality is that they're all the same age. They must have all things in common because they're all teenagers. But that could be the furthest thing from the truth. We had 10 different churches there from five very different regions of the state. Even within our own group, we were very, very diverse with different races, different socioeconomic statuses and family backgrounds. But do you know what they all had in common? They were all there to worship Jesus. They all had the Holy Spirit inside of them. And I tell our students often, I try to bring it up several times throughout the year, that our students have more in common with a non, with a, our students have more in common with a believer on the other side of the world in a remote village in a developing country than they do their non-believing friends at their school or down the street. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit in me recognizes the Holy Spirit in you and that bond unlike anything in this world. The most common, biggest commonality in our Holy Spirit bringing us together. That's what makes this church so special as well too is that we're made up of people from all over the city, seventh largest city in the, in the nation and we come from all different parts of the city to downtown, 
to worship together. And I hope that you guys recognize how special this is that we get to do this worship together. But our commonality is not based off of our geographical proximity, but our commonality is based on our proximity to the Father. If we are closer to God and have that Holy Spirit in us, that is what brings us our commonality, not our regional proximity. But then in verse 45, it begins to talk about them selling their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. Yeah, parents, they didn't go home and sell your houses. That's not what happened. It's okay. But, and they may not have had things they could sell. But one of the things that I think we can correlate in here are that when people would sell their houses in ancient times, it was a part of their, them giving up of something that they had a priority in and giving it back to God. And what we did in that Vesper service that I was talking about with the spontaneous prayer breaking out is we had a cross there and we asked the students to write down their sins and things that they had made idols in their lives and take those and place them at the foot of the cross to the point that we had this big tin canister bucket that was by the end of that night was filled with the sins of that camp. a really cool moment. I was lingering around making sure our students were making their way to where they were supposed to be after the service. And one of our students, it was from our church, was making their way out. And as they made their way out, they looked up at the cross. They looked down at the bucket of sins, fell to their knees and began to weep. With Nobody was in the room. This wasn't for show. This wasn't them trying to get an a reaction from me or anything. They had no, this was spontaneous emotion brought of the Holy Spirit breaking down. I asked this person afterwards, so what was going on in that moment? And they said, I don't deserve God's grace. And we began to talk about it through that and just seeing in that moment, no, we don't. We don't deserve God's grace, but God is faithful and just to forgive us. And in that moment, that, that student was able to recognize that spirit of the Lord moving in their life and giving up their idols and their sins back to God. And then closing out with this section before we look into some uh, what, what next aspects of this in verses 46 and 47, it says, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And then going into verse 47, we didn't have that on the screen earlier, it says, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, the Lord added to the group those who were being saved. As I mentioned earlier, we the Lord added to our number this week and I hope to tell their stories soon. I hope to show baptisms soon so we can begin to tell some of those stories. But as hearing those stories, don't you wish you got to go to camp this week? Don't you wish you got to be there and feel those things that I was talking about? Doesn't it sound like a taste of heaven? This is why I love what I do this, is, this week is one of the reasons why I love student ministry so much. The lives change, people grow, and the Lord works. Wouldn't it be great if we all got to go to camp? 
I feel that's what we need. We all need to feel what the students received at camp. We need to feel that connectedness in one another and we need to be that devoted to teaching and prayer. And we need to commit to laying our idols at the feet of Jesus. The disconnect is that camp is temporary. We often refer to this feeling as a camp high. When we get to the spiritual peak of a mountain where we are on this upward trajectory, then we have these moments where we just feel the presence of God immense in our lives. And there often come in moments such as camp when we're immersed in the word of God and getting a constant source of the spirit. These moments are designed to produce an environment where spiritual growth can flourish. And it's only natural that after a mountaintop experience that there will be a drop off. The, itch, the part becomes for us is that we need to make sure that that drop off isn't a tumble back down the hill all the way back into our old habits. And this will be the issue for our students over the next couple of weeks. As they had this mountaintop experience that what next, how do I take this moment and keep myself from falling back down the hill? For you in the room and if you're joining us online, if you have never been to camp or you weren't at a camp this year at least, This is the question you can ask yourselves. How do we achieve consistent growth in a season without a camp experience? This is our goal. How do we achieve consistent growth? Instead of jumping from event to event, from camp high to camp high, from going from, for our group, from Freedom Weekend to camp and just letting those be the two mountaintop experiences through the year, how do we keep consistent growth throughout the year so that we can continue to grow instead of continuing to fall back on the mountain and work our way back up. I want to pull another text in to help us unpack this further. Follow along with me in your Bible to Colossians 2 verses 6 through 7. This was our camp theme for the week, this Colossians 2 passage. Uh, we built that into, literally, build is the word that we're going to use out of here. We built that into everything that we do from our moments of worship where, with our teaching, with our pastors, uh, to our small group curriculum, to the seminars that some of our high schoolers did. This theme of build was found all the way throughout camp. So I want to use this passage of scripture to kind of help us put an exclamation point on camp moving forward. So in Colossians 2, Uh, Verses six and seven, it says this. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to live in obedience to him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him so that you will grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all that he has done. My translation is a little bit different from the one on screen. I recognize that, but... I hope that you will see and hear the points that we're going to work through. In Colossians 2, 6, I think Paul is a literary genius. In our first read through this passage, it may not seem that way. You kind of read through, you say, there are three illustrations there within two verses to try to drive home this picture. Um, But if we begin to unpack it, we'll see the gold that's in it. The first illustration is the image of following Christ in verse six. The ESV and the NASB both use the word walk here. 
In, in the ESV, it says, therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. For the first century Christian, walking was a way of life. It was pretty much the main way that they would get from point A to point B, especially within their cities. A lot of them would even have to walk from city to city. Walking was a way of life. For us in San Antonio, that's not as much applicable. Walking in San Antonio, as I mentioned, seventh largest city in the world, is not very conducive. There's even a an app that I could pull up on my phone right now that could show me all the cars that are willing to take me to where I need to go. And if I don't like that, then I, that same app will show me where all the scooters are around here that I could hop on a scooter to get to where I need to go because we don't want to have to walk. We want to expedite this process. However, there's some places in even our nation and in the world that still function in this same capacity. Last summer, I got to take our leadership team to uh, Brooklyn, New York to help serve at a church there. And before we were getting ready to go, I called the pastor that we were gonna be serving with named Zach Van Veldenhuizen. Some of y'all may know Zach. As we were going to serve with Zach, I asked him, I said, Zach, should we rent some vehicles? Will that be best? He said, you will never be able to find a place to park. So don't worry about that. Just use the subway and walk to where you need to go. And over the course of that week, we ended, I had to go back and check it on my phone to confirm this. We averaged about 10 miles of walking per day as we just covered New York and Brooklyn throughout that time. And so just like the first century, walking is the norm for them there as we see that. But walking is a way of life. And this illustration that Paul is setting up is getting at the very nature of this idea Walking is a way of life and we need to put Jesus into every part of our life. We need to follow him. Paul's also pulling in an aspect that these readers would have seen in the Shema, the Deuteronomy 6 that uh, Pastor Jimmy mentioned earlier that he covered with our new families, talking about how our families need to put God into everything that we do. Once we have accepted Jesus in our life, we need to learn how to walk step in step with him. Now, Paul's gonna take the next two illustrations from that text and begin to make modifiers on the walk. So how do we walk? And he's going to show us that. My son, Brock, is only two and a half years old, but he already wants to be like me. Um, I have a bad habit from when I get home from work. I'm ready to just decompress and unwind and I'll just kick my shoes off wherever I feel comfortable at and fall back into the couch. And without fail, on days that I do that, at some point within that evening, Brock will find those shoes, step in those shoes, and start trying to walk around and attempting to walk and saying, Dada shoes. And a key word there, attempt, because he almost always ends up falling forward, falling backwards, flailing around, trying to catch himself, because he cannot fit into the shoes. His feet are not big enough to fill those shoes. When we are trying to follow in the steps of Jesus, we can often feel this way too. As we, those shoes are just too big for us to fill sometimes and our feet are not going the way that they're supposed to. And there's time where Paul will pull this next illustration and show us how then do we walk? How do we walk with Jesus? And he's gonna say, we need to grow our roots down deep. In Colossians 2, 7, we'll in the first part of this, we're gonna have three different parts of, chapter, of this verse, but in this Colossians 2 passage, 
It says, let your roots grow down deep into him and draw nourishment from him. And then it continues to say here that we need to dig. We need to draw our roots and let them sink deep. I grew up in West Texas, um, in Lubbock to be exact, and we had some pretty nasty windstorms. Yeah, I see some Reckham Tech. Um, we had some pretty nasty windstorms there. And you could watch in the distance as the windstorm was starting to come, you'd see the sky in the distance begin to turn brown and that you knew the dirt was imminent. But before the dirt got to you, you would see something else begin to make its way through town. And that were a plant that we have lovingly known as the tumbleweed. So these tumbleweeds would start to make their way through town. But tumbleweeds are plants who have disconnected themselves from the root. They have adapted to the harsh environments of the desert to disconnect themselves from the root anytime the wind comes and gets strong. And that's how they plant their seeds and and scatter their seed. Similarly, this last week on Thursday night of camp, I was trying to help some of our students finish their decision makings. I was counseling some students on um, some calls that, that were happening in their life and it was about one o'clock in the morning, which yes, is early for camp time, but it was one o'clock in the morning and I was hearing lightning and, and seeing, seeing lightning and hearing thunder. I could hear some rain coming through. And then I pushed the door open to go outside and rain starts coming in the building sideways because the pressure of the storm was so great. The rain was being pushed by the wind inside. Throughout the course of that night, we lost power. That's a, and you can be praying for them right now at Laterno. They still have not regained power yet. Um, it was pretty nasty, but the part I want us to focus on is when I came out that next morning, there were hundreds of sticks and branches scattered across camp that had broken off of the trees. But notice, none of the trees were blown over because their roots were dug deep and the East Texas moisture had provided an environment for them to grow their roots down deep. So let me ask you this, is your faith more like a West Texas tumbleweed or an East Texas evergreen? Does your faith get blown over when a storm comes and gets strong? Or are you strong enough to stand through it? Most of us don't know the answer to that question until that storm actually comes into our life. See, the tumbleweed has to start over from scratch and build from the ground up each time a storm blows through. Where the evergreen, it may get hit, it may get bumps and bruises, it may knock some branches off, but the structure is still intact because the roots have been dug deep. I believe that Paul is instructing the church to do the same thing. And I believe that he's using some visuals here. Like I talked about with the Shema earlier, I think he's really trying to draw on this idea that they would know based off of previous scriptures, which would be Psalm one. I really do believe that Paul's trying to enact an image here from Psalm one, which says they're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season without fail. Their leaves never wither and in all they do, they prosper. The trees that are planted near streams of water are able to grow taller because the source of the water is constant. This is what makes the camp moments so important. 
for our students, they had a constant flow of Jesus for five straight days. For us, what if we could plant our roots near streams of water? What if we could have constant source of growth? We could build our faith even stronger, which pulls us to Paul's next illustration in the second part of Colossians 2, 7b, which says that we should be built up in him, that our faith should be built in him. So first we had an everyday life illustration of them walking. Then we had the agricultural illustration of roots. And now we have a construction illustration to drive home this point. Like our roots that are grown down deep, when our foundation is strong, our growth can continue to go upwards. The question becomes, how do we build on our faith? The building of our faith will come with consistency. Looking at our students who attended camp this last week, all of them built on their faith in some way or another. Some of them from the ground up, others were building on a foundation that had been left from previous years. But that constant source of Jesus helped them grow fast this week. Faster isn't always better though. For those of you that have been in a, the home market to purchase, what when the house was built and who the builder was. Because a lot of times in these neighborhoods that are popping up, they'll massively build these houses out really quickly. And what happens? Even though the outside of the house appears grand, because they rushed the building process, some of the inward parts of that house will have structural damage as the house deteriorates. More so than the older houses of their counterparts. Because when we have consistency and attention to detail, we know that that foundation in that house will be built up stronger and it will hold through time. For our students who attended camp, it is great that they had a fast build on their faith this week. But if they want to continue to build their faith, they will need to find consistent rhythms and habits that will keep their faith growing up. They will need to position themselves near a constant source. Same goes for those of us in the room who were not at camp this week. We need to find that constant growth. We may not be able to get that stream that's just flowing on top of us for five straight days, but we can strive for consistent growth. Our growth is found in consistency. So what rhythms and habits can we initiate that will help us build our faith? Let's look back to the Acts 242 that gave us some of those things. And it says that they were devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship and prayer. Yeah, they have it on the screen. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So they devoted them There's a, to teaching, fellowship and prayer. These are simple rhythms, but they have profound results when we commit to making them a priority in our lives. When we devote ourselves to teaching, we will find growth. I think a lot of people are open to teaching, but very few are devoted to teaching. Our church has a wonderful process to help us be taught better through the reverse process. We, have, we ask you to read the passage of scripture every single day. We ask you to read the blogs or watch the vlog by our pastors every single day. We ask you to be an active participant in Bible study not just attending. There's a difference between attending and participating. We want you to be an active participant in your Bible study classes. 
when then we come into a time of worship where that same passage of scripture is now taught back over us again. And I guarantee you, if you are consistent and constant with that method, I guarantee you will see growth. I guarantee you will be able to build on that. We also need to be devoted to fellowship like it talked about. We need one another outside of the walls of this church. Uh, for those that heard me preach two years ago, I actually preached this exact same passage of scripture. Um, so I've now taught in here three times and preached the same sermon twice. Um, hopefully we can get some things out of this once again. But when I preached this passage, this was my main point, is that we need each other outside of the walls of this church. Why? We need each other because it is difficult to resist without support. It's easy to hide without accountability and it's hard to stand without community. When you seek out biblical community outside of the walls of this church, you will find yourself stronger. You'll be able to build. And lastly, they devoted themselves to prayer. This is the focus of our summer series is we're asking us to grow deeper in prayer if you wanna see growth in your life, if you wanna see your faith be built up stronger, devote yourself to prayer. Another camp story for us. On Wednesday night, I had a student grab me after our church group time and said, Rick, I'm having a great week, this is awesome. I was like, good, yeah. He goes, I just don't feel God though. I don't feel his presence like I have in past camps. My advice to him was simple, pray. I told him, I said, go back to your room and pray over and over again for God's presence to be revealed to you. Because here's the thing, we know that God's presence is here. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them is what God promises to us. We know by nature God is omnipresent and that he's with us at all times. So the moments that we can't feel him says more about us than it does about God. So if we go and pray to God and ask him to reveal himself to us, he is going to do that. The next night, right before our Vespers service, that student comes to me and gives me a hug and says, thank you, I feel his presence, I know he's here. God is faithful to answer our prayers. Just like in Matthew 7, 7 through 8, that's the passage of scripture that says, knock and the door will be open, seek and you will find. And that passage of scripture that we've looked at before shows us that persistent praying pays off. Persistent praying pays off. Now, if you ask for a Ferrari and you're persistent in that prayer, God's not gonna give you a Ferrari. This, div this verse is not about prosperity, but about persistence. When we are devoted to praying for the spiritual things, God will provide. Similarly, as a topic of prayer, the Colossians passage gave us a good reminder to help with those prayers as well. In Colossians 2, 7, gives us a picture of thankfulness. Thankfulness is the leaven to our prayers. When we orient our priorities and attitude to be thankful to God for what he has done for us, it keeps our prayer life from becoming a selfish plea for, to have our desires fulfilled. It's all about perspective. Multiple times throughout scripture, God reminds us that thankfulness is essential to prayer because we often find that as thankfulness increases, so does the awareness of the things that he has already provided. 
through this summer, as we continue to focus on prayer, I hope that we'll be able to dive into this idea of thankfulness further because I truly do believe that the more thankful we are to God for the blessings that he has given us, the stronger our prayers will be and the stronger our prayers are, the more we will be built up. Do you think that you can commit to these habits and rhythms? It doesn't sound that difficult, does it, to be devoted to teaching, fellowship, and prayer. Then why do we not see more consistent growth? If we are devoted to teaching, fellowship, and prayer the way this Acts Church tells us to, we would see more consistent growth. We wouldn't have the falls down the mountain. We wouldn't have to regather ourselves each time a spiritual moment comes back up. The reason for that is because of the tyranny of the urgent. When we allow our schedules to prioritize our life, we'll find ourselves chasing the schedule and making time for God at later dates instead of allowing God to prioritize our schedule. When we make these things a priority, God will be faithful to build in our lives and to see them go. This week, would you commit to creating pockets in your day where you can be attentive to the spirit of God at work in your life? Would you commit to devoting yourself to teaching, to fellowship and prayer? If we can create an environment to foster spiritual growth, even in just a few minutes of our day, we can begin to find a consistent pattern of growth. And maybe, maybe we can find our own camp-like moment. Maybe we can get a little taste of heaven here on earth. So would you with me, church family, taste and see that the Lord is good this week. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for what you did in the lives of so many at camp this week. And we pray, Lord, that you will continue to move in the lives of our students Continue to pull those decisions out that need to be made. Lord, help our students find consistent growth, Lord, so that they don't just fall back into the ways that they were before. They won't just fall back into the old patterns and habits that they had before they came to camp. Give them strength to stay on the upward trajectory of the mountain. But Lord, for those in the room who did not go to camp, Lord, Help us to establish habits and rhythms in our own life that will help us achieve consistent growth. Lord, help us to find a consistent source of your word, of your love, so that we can fill ourselves consistently with you. Lord, help us to be devoted to the teaching. Help us be devoted to fellowship and help us to be devoted, Lord, to you. Lord, I pray that you'll help us know where those rhythms are going to come in our lives, Lord. And we pray that even now we will begin as we worship you today. We ask this in your name. Amen.